I do believe real estate is the greatest tool to build wealth if it's done correctly. Now, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong and, and there's a million ways to do it right. So I, w- I, I don't recommend everyone rushes out and buys a property. Make sure you do a lot of research. Make sure you you know understand the business. And the reality is a lot of people will want to be passive investors in real estate and a few people will actually want to be the owner operators. So you need to make that decision for yourself, which one are you? So today I wanted to do a video on getting started in real estate. I'll tell you about my first deal. We bought a mobile home park. Uh, Some of the stuff I learned along the way, maybe some things that can help you if you're just getting started. So like many of you, I got started in real estate without any prior experience in the industry. I already had an operating business. I built and operated a gym and we were working there, you know, every day, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So we were very busy, but I was always looking for more. So we got to the place where the gym was already really established, you know, great business, but we knew we could scale it much more than that. It was a small market. So there's no chance we double, you know, double the revenue or anything like that. So I got, I don't, I kind of hit a plateau where, you know, I had the business I'd, I'd always wanted. That was a passion of mine was the gym. I had the truck I wanted, a great family. But we were, I was just looking for more. So I started looking for all different types of investments. You know, I looked at penny stocks, and did regular stocks. I did FX trading for a while. All these different things usually just ended up losing money or losing interest. And I started listening to a few different podcasts on real estate. You know, me and my wife were both pretty handy. We, we, we were good with construction. We renovated our house. So, you know, we knew what we were doing. And the idea of flips was always appealing to us. So we were looking for places that we could flip. And I came across an article. It was about mobile home park investing in the States and how these big funds were buying up all these parks and making a huge profit. And they really loved the idea right away. You know, you only own the land, um, the tenants own the trailers. You don't have all the maintenance on the trailer. It's a shrinking supply. So most cities, the land's getting bought and redeveloped. But it's also kind of a growing demand. Like people constantly need affordable housing. And I do think mobile home parks are, or mobile home trailers, you know, modular older are a great soup for that. I mean, they're very cheap to get into. They're a great first house, affordable way to get into the housing market. But there's less and less parks. And when we first bought it, there wasn't such hype around it. There wasn't a huge asset class that everyone was wanting to be in. But I did really like the model. Um, there's lots of upsides there where if the tenant does decide to move out, generally they're not going to take the trailer with them. So they're going to sell it and someone else is going to stay there because it's just so expensive to move. If they do quit paying rent, you always know where to find them because their house is, is on your land. So there's lots of upsides there. And I started reading more and more about it. And right about that time, the mobile home park in our town went up for sale. And I remember seeing it the listing and just thinking it was it was way overpriced. We were in a small community. It was listed for over a million dollars. But I got the package from the realtor and I looked at it and the numbers made total sense to me. And and luckily for me, nobody else seemed to see the value there. There were no other offers. So we started looking at it, put in an offer and you know it took a lot of work. We had to get pretty creative. There was a house on there. We had to subdivide off and and we did a bit of a BTB and we did all these different things to get the deal done, but we were able to, you know, lower the price a lot and we were able to buy it. And once, you know, once we got the deal done, 
and that's when our education of being a landlord really started. I don't think we really understood that, you know, we had no idea what we were doing. It was a big, bigger park with 69 pads. So all of a sudden you go from never having a rental property to, you know, you know 70 people that you're looking after. Um, uh, Size-wise, it was a big park as well. And it had been really neglected. So at the time, I had a, a track with a six-inch lift on it, and some of the roads were so bad that I couldn't even drive on them. So they had been really let go. So we had to build all the roads back up. All the green space had been really neglected. It had been overgrown for years. So there's trees starting to grow on all of it. The trees hadn't been trimmed. So it just looked like the stereotypical rundown mobile home park. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in the landscaping, all new signage, built the roads up, took a bunch of trees out, got all the green space back. Any of the park owned trailers, we renovated them. We made sure we did the outside really nice. And we started moving new trailers and brand new trailers. We had a deal with a, we found a dealer with a builder. We got new trailers moved in. So slowly started turning the demographic people over. There were some drug dealers in the park when we first took over. We were able, you know, we went the whole process, got them out. So people started feeling safer. And you really got to watch, you know, the community come back to life. There were some people that had been there almost their entire lives and they'd really given up hope. It, you know, because it had been so neglected. And, you know, once you started taking care of the property and started taking care of all the individual trailers that, that we did own, you seen other people start doing it. So other trailers are getting sided and the yards are perking up and people are starting to care about it. And we did community cleanups and we did, you know, I coached Special Olympics at the time and I would hire the kids to come in and do, you know, cleanups in the spring where we'd clean up all the garbage that had blown in and just different things like that to start making it feel like a community. So it's very rewarding. And you started to watch people actually want to live there. You know, we were getting inquired, moving new trailers in. So it was very rewarding, taught us a lot. Um, and it, it, you know, both financially as well, we got it appraised, the park appraised at double what we had paid for it and we were able to refinance all the money back out. And we sold it a couple of years after that. So that was my first purchase in real estate. Um, there was some stuff going into it that I definitely didn't think about or was really naive. And I'll just go over three of them that maybe if you're looking at getting into real estate, you can think about prior, save yourself a little bit of headache. I do believe real estate is the greatest tool to build wealth if it's done correctly. Now, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong and, and there's a million ways to do it right. So I, I, I don't recommend everybody rushes out and buys a property. Make sure you do a lot of research. Make sure you you know understand the business. And the reality is a lot of people will want to be passive investors in real estate and a few people will actually want to be the owner operators. So you need to make that decision for yourself, which one of you. The first thing that I think, you know, I definitely didn't think about starting out and was very naive was just trusting that when you get a pro forma, that's what the building's going to do. And there's some stuff you can verify on there, some stuff you can't. There's a lot of that information, you know, that might be stabilized on the expense side. And it, it's very, you know, you need to do your own calculation and figure out if, if it's accurate or not. An example, when we took over the park, we noticed the water usage was really high. And the owner just said, well, there had been a leak that made up that difference and it had got fixed. Well, there was no way to verify that now, you know, at when you took it over until after you took it over. So we ended up taking it over and found out, you know, there definitely was still a big leak. A bunch of the meters hadn't been working when we took over either. So it was very, we had to fix all the meters first to make, to, you know, and then be able to tell that difference at the end of the month. The tenants would pay their portion of the water 
and we were always short about a thousand dollars so we knew there was quite a leak there and it took us by the time we found the leak and got it fixed it was almost a year so you know you lost a lot of money a thousand dollars a month you're losing somewhere underground and we finally found it and it was winter we had to dig the lines up and it was a big big expense there so that was just a small example but there's a lot of stuff like that when people know they're going into a sale they're generally not going to evict people they'll just say they're paying even if they're not or they'll say they're paying cash and those people will be on the rent roll and you'll take over and find out they haven't paid in you know maybe six months or and they need to be kicked out so you're going to have probably higher vacancy than you underwrote for and where i see a lot of problems i get asked a lot of people will ask me to look at a pro forma for them and be like, hey, I'm going to buy this property. And w what I think is missed a lot on smaller properties is how hard it is to get the numbers right on a pro forma. So something like vacancy, if you're going to stabilize it at, you know, the city 5%, how do you really get 5% vacancy on a four unit building or a duplex? You know, if one person moves out in the four unit, you're 25% vacant. So for that month, unless until you get somebody in there, you're probably going to end up putting money into that property. So just be aware of that. Make sure you have a reserve fund because it, it a pro forma is essentially a snapshot of, you know, almost the best case scenario for that property. The odds of it being like that when you take over or for the first year or two is highly unlikely. So just make sure you have reserve funds and, the, and you can put them in. And a little bonus story on the, on the park, the guy who we bought it from had bought it from another investor and the place where we, where the park was located, they had really strict rent controls. And the guy we bought it from had said that he got approved for this big rent increase and he sold the park at that value. The guy buying it believed him because he was already collecting the rent at that price, buys the park. And almost a full year later, they get a letter from the government that says they have to back pay all the rents that were overcharged from the previous owner and him. So, you know, not only is he losing a bunch of cash, not getting as much cash flow as he thought, the value of the park dropped drastically as well. So things like that, you know, there can always be unforeseen things like that and you have to be aware of that. So that was the first thing. Um, I still see today a lot of people rely so heavily on the performance without a ton of knowledge of, you know, where the industry is or you'll see a property in a really bad area and they'll say stabilize rents or the city average. Well, it'll never get that in that area. So, you, you know, do your own research. And, and know the expenses, know the neighborhood, things like that. Another, the second thing that like I just hadn't thought of a lot, we dealt with the public in our operating business. We were at the gyms, you know, we had hundreds of clients already and we were dealing with them all the time. Is just separating the business, you know, yourself from the business, having systems and processes that you follow and don't let your emotions get involved. We were in a smaller community, so we didn't know a lot of the people that were in the park. And you'd hear their stories on why they couldn't pay rent and being a good person, you always feel empathy and you give them a grace period and then they just take advantage and take advantage. And the longer you're in the business, the more you'll hear the same excuses over and over again. And you start to realize that, that maybe they, they are just excuses. So just have a process and stick to it. Um, a couple stories that really stuck out to me when we took over the park was we had to manually read the water. So we would we had to go to the back of every trailer and scan it once a month to make sure the water lined up. So in winter, it was a pretty shitty job because the, the snow would all blow in and it was really cold and you had to write the numbers down so you couldn't wear gloves. And it just, it wasn't an enjoyable process. And we were going around the back of this one trailer. The guy owed us, you know, a couple months worth of rent and lot rent was very cheap there at the time. And we, we got around to his deck and, and there was a box from a new brand new big tv 
on the deck. And I remember thinking, you know, the TV's bigger than the TV I have. I, don't, I haven't spent money on a TV like that. Here this guy is, owes us, you know, a few hundred dollars for the last couple of months, says he can't afford it, but then he buys this brand new TV. So we definitely had the money. He was choosing where to put it. And we got to another trailer and it would, maybe it was just the day, but there was another guy out there that owes money. He's out there smoking. And I remember thinking, you know, has he ever went three months without buying smokes because he couldn't afford it? I doubt it. You know, they'll always find money for, people will always find money for things they prioritize. So if you give them a grace period, you're going to get pushed to the back. And the last story like this, and this was probably the biggest one where this happened, was there was a lady and it was going into the Christmas season. So we, you know, we didn't want to start the eviction process, but she just wasn't paying. And she gave us every excuse you could imagine. Just she was sick and her family was sick and she would lose her job and just just everything you could imagine. We did feel bad because it was in the holiday season, it was in winter. So we weren't starting the eviction process. And then it was like the week of Christmas, she posted on social media, two brand new vehicles. And it's her and her husband and it said his and her Christmas gifts. And I remember thinking, you know, they definitely had money to buy those vehicles, to make those vehicle payments. So they're choosing not to make their rent payment. And when you hear that enough, it gets a lot easier to just, you know, treat it as a business. Real estate is a business that needs to be treated like that. You know, you've made an agreement with the bank when you take a loan that you're going to collect those rents to service that debt. So, you know, people's stories, you have to just take yourself out of it and just follow a process. Because if you start listening to every story, you know, it can get, you, if you give grace, uh, an age people will take a mile. So, so stick to the story, try to remove yourself from the business. So the third thing would just be the importance of process and systems and making sure they're in place and documenting everything really well. When we took over the park and still today, when we take over some properties, you can tell it's, it's, you know, a lot of stuff's done cash or it's, it's all done on, you know, there's not a great paper trail. So it's hard to go back into leases and find stuff you know, it's hard to see what actually was collected. And if you have everything documented really well, you have a system in place, you have a process, then if you go to evict someone and they come back at you, you can always fall back on the process and say, this is what, you know, here's a, everything, here's all the documentation. This is why you're evicted. It wasn't a, you know, personal judgment call, things like that. So it's very, very important. You know, I just heard up a story in the city that I'm in there's a, a large asset. It's not a small building. It's not a mom and pop operation. They had an on-site manager that was saying that certain units were empty and actually collecting cash and he was taking all the cash. So if there's not a system to verify all of that and keep good records, it's very easy to let things slip through. Even the people who owned the park before we did, they, I do believe they didn't know that they were losing that much water. They were always, because a bunch of the meters weren't working. So they were just estimating the water usage. And things like that, if there's not systems in place, it's so easy to, to have that slippage and, and be losing money out the back door. So that'd be a thing. Spend a lot of time on that. Get around people that are doing it. It's very easy today. Every month, there's new companies coming out with property management software. So I think it's getting easier and easier to do that. You know, that's what we use now. We use a property management software. We're looking at upgrading it all the time. So I think it's a lot easier than it was 10 or 15 years ago. There's really no excuse not to have it. So those would be three things. Hopefully, you know, you guys can take something out of it. The question that I get asked almost every week now is, you know, how do I get started in real estate? I, I don't want to miss out on the, on the, all the upside. I understand it, but I'm scared to take the risk or I don't know what's the first step. And that really is different for everybody. But I always say the first 
you know, five or 10,000, it should be spent on yourself. Invest in yourself, get a skill, you know, understand the business. That's something they can never take away from you. Uh, listen, you know, listening to podcasts, do courses and, and build your skills up and get a good understanding of it. People in the industry too will know right away when you're talking to them, if you know what you're talking about or not, if you have done a bunch of this stuff. So I think education always comes first. Um, I don't sell any courses or anything like that. I'm going to start putting out a lot more free content on YouTube. If you guys don't follow me, check it out there. Um, I'm also really active on Instagram for shorter, uh, for shorter form stuff. If you guys want to want to follow me on there, or reach out, DM me on Instagram. It's always me that'll answer. I really do believe we're heading into a housing crisis. I think we're already there, but it, it's going to get a lot worse. Canada already has the lowest housing in the G7. And now, you know, we're setting record numbers year over year with no plans of stopping up in immigrations coming in, immigrate immigrants coming into the country. And we're unable to increase the amount we can build. So we're not building more. We're immigrating in tons of people into a market that's already super tight. You know, the high interest rates don't help. So I think there's tons of upside in the next couple of years. So I do think people should get involved in real estate. To some extent, like I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, probably 80% of people are going to be passive investors, 20% actually want to own and operate. And those are two different things. And and both are going to work. If you want to be a passive investor, there's tons of ways to do it. You can be a hard money lender, a partner with people that are doing it. My company, Excess Asset Management, that's all we do. We let investors come in and, and invest alongside of us in, you know, large scale multifamily. There's tons of companies like ours that do that. There's REITs. There's hundreds of ways to do it. If you want to be the guy who's actually owning, operating, dealing with the tenants, that's a different story. Get get around people that are that are operating. You know, learn from them. Get the business model. But I think in either scenario, whether you're the guy with five thousand or five hundred thousand, I think getting the education is the most important thing, and just getting as much information as you can. For me, the first course I ever really spent money on it was a couple thousand dollars it was an online real estate course and it's not like i took you know all of the couple days of of data there was one little phrase in there that that completely changed the way i looked at debt and and borrowing money and and the type of debt we took that really did change our investment philosophy so you can get a little nugget of gold out of you know out of a book or a podcast so as much of that as you can do i think is the most important thing If you guys liked the episode, make sure to give us a rating, leave a comment, helps get out to new people. If you think, if you know someone who might like this content, share it with them. If you guys have content you want to see, just DM me or, or send an email. We also do question and answer episodes every once in a while. So if you have questions, send them our way and we'll make sure to get them answered.